The contents of this broadcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute legal advice. You're listening to The Labor Law Report, the podcast dedicated to timely HR and employment law news, powered by Personnel Concepts, your compliance partner, with your hosts, Leon Frierson and Stephanie Balicki. If you're looking for the latest in labor law, we've got the report. Hello, listeners. We have another special episode of the Labor Law Report. You're going to hear live questions posed from Personnel Concepts customers to our panel of human resources and employment law experts, Ashley Taylor and Jeff Yushi. Now, Ashley Taylor, lead consultant of A. Taylor Management Consultants, LLC, is a NYU certified human capital management professional with over a decade of experience in helping multi-sized businesses and startups develop their culture identity while growing their teams in domestic and international markets. Jeffrey is a graduate of Vermont Law School with a dual master's degree in JD and serves as in-house legal counsel to a diverse group of corporate clients. Jeff provides counsel to his business clients on matters including labor disputes, employment negotiations, anti-discrimination, workplace policies, equity agreements, non-disclosure agreements, and general consultation. Our latest webinar, COVID-19 Continued, the long-haul effects on policy and personnel in the workplace was twofold in that it provided employers with the latest on COVID response and tips for combating staffing issues caused by the pandemic. Listen in as our guest speakers utilize their expertise in this live question and answer session. Let's take a moment to answer some of the audience questions that were submitted during the presentation. So it's just gonna be like a fire round. I'm just gonna go around. Um, some may be directed directly at Jeff or Ashley, or we would like to hear input, uh, both of your input on some of the questions as well. Um, so we have a question here. Is it okay to require new staff to be vaccinated when not all of the current staff is or will be vaccinated? I'll, I'll take that one. It's, it's, it's okay. But going back to what we discussed, vaccine mandates and mask mandates and COVID-19 related mandates in general, in case I'm missing anything, the testing perhaps, they have to be related to the workplace necessity. So if you're going to have new workers separated from old workers, there better, uh, there better be a reason in effect for, for why it is that you've only made the new workers uh, be vaccinated. Now, if they're doing different jobs, that would be a reason, a business necessity. If they're doing the same job and you're merely expanding the workforce, you may have to think about having the old employees follow the same protocols as the new employees, because otherwise you could be separating people out, which could be in, implied to be discriminatory. How could that be? I, I wanna go all the way with this for you, for our asker. If, if perhaps the people coming in are new employees who've been out of work for a long time, there could be an economic disadvantage there. And the economic disadvantage could lead to allegations of discrimination because poor has been sometimes used to construe a discriminatory basis um, and unemployed could lead to that. So you wanna make sure that you don't open the door um, for that. You're gonna wanna try to have all of your workers who are similarly situated follow the same COVID-19 requirements, including the, the vaccinations, as I said, the masking, and if so, the testing. Very well put, Jeff. Um... Ashley, I think there's one that's more geared towards you. Hopefully you can answer this for us. In hiring for open positions, we noticed many candidates did not show up for the second round of interviews. Due to the competitive job market, do you recommend holding multiple rounds of interviews on the same day? Oh, that's actually a tough one. Um, I'm, I go either way with this, and it depends upon the structure of your interview process and also how soon you need someone in there. Personally, I like four steps. 
So I like the preliminary phone call. Then I like, you know, a conversation with either the um, recruiter or the manager, maybe one with a team member, and then maybe one who's, you know, someone like myself or even uh, higher up in the organization. Um, I know some CEOs who want to meet everybody. Um, (laughs) They want to meet everyone and make sure that they understand the company that they're working with. That being said, Having a rapid fire round in the same day can be so convenient. Um, I've seen places where people have to take off of work in order to interview and doing that on multiple days and driving yourself crazy, that can be a lot. Um, So I do like getting everything done in one day, but I will say that leads, unless you schedule your time um, impeccably, you probably won't have that segue to really think about the impression that's being left on you. I don't necessarily want to suggest that you immediately just say, oh, I love this person. No, I don't like this person. Sometimes it takes a couple of rounds to, or a couple of different opinions to actually figure out, okay, how can we work with this person and communicate with your team members before they're even, you know, in the position. Like, you know what? They brought up something that I didn't even think to ask. Maybe we need to revive, revise our process. So If you're going to do it one day, I kind of think that it should have a little bit of space. So maybe one in the morning, two in the afternoon, a working lunch, something like that. But um, always making sure that you are not just hiring and one and done is really important to me. That normally doesn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Great tip, Ashley. Thanks so much. We have another question from our audience here. Many states had COVID paid sick leave but have run out. Do you have any insight as if to uh, when these may be extended or if? Can and should my company provide this type of leave? That's a Jeff question. <laughs> um, the handoff. Well, I'll take it. Um, the the question, the, the answer to uh, is it likely that more COVID relief will come for uh, from assistance from the state? It would appear to be. Uh, and don't hold me to it, and I sure hope that it's true. It would appear to be that we're on the the, the second half or the back end, so back nine for the golfers of uh, of COVID. It would appear, with that being the case, that the programs that were designed to provide aid to businesses are going to start to go away. Um, we know that the federal assistance for unemployment extensions has gone away. States are one by one beginning to lift the emergency orders that were put in by the governor's office. And with these things being removed, the special appropriations that were coming from the states to help businesses with their workforce are going to begin to sort of go away. We talked about some of the ones available from the IRS and the federal government tends to move a little bit more slowly than the states. So they're still seeing some relief there. Um, the, The question of whether or not you're gonna get assistance in paying your employees for the sick time on a state by state basis, that funding is probably going to dry up. Should you allow them to take more sick time related to COVID? Uh, My answer is going to be yes. I think that's a best practice. I think the reason why is because we're seeing COVID um, be treated as a disability, as we mentioned during the presentation. And also it's a murky area to sort of tell a person whether or not they're sick when we're dealing with a disease that's relatively new that has a wide range of effects. So if a person tells you they're sick related to COVID, Uh, If you want to keep that person employed, I would recommend trying to find a way uh, to allow them to use sick time. Now, if if you do that and they run out of sick time, uh, a lot of companies, as Ashley knows better than me, a lot of companies have switched over to a PTO model where you run out of sick time and use your PTO. And when you run out of PTO, then it's another conversation. 
um, that's how they treat other kinds of prolonged leave for sickness. Once you use up your available sick time, you can eat into your vacation time and you can eat into your other PTO, which is more generally called now in the workplace. And, and you don't have to really address the issue until all that time is used up. So my recommendation is yes, allow the employers, employees to take off. Uh, don't quibble about the details when it's COVID related. I realize that opens up a lot of possibilities, but let them run through their PTO. And then if their PTO is gone, uh, theoretically, they probably are almost at the end of their COVID symptoms. I mean, they have to be very, very prolonged and then have the conversation about where to go from there. Because if it lasts longer than the PTO, we're probably in the disability land. And that's going to be long haul COVID and that's going to be different accommodations, the way you treat any employee who has an ADA recognized disability. Can I actually say that one of, uh, well, really, one of the things that I've been seeing with my clients is um, there are some who have PTO, there are some who have unlimited vacation. They've actually been creating a separate bank, which would be, uh, I guess, maybe two or three days worth of time. So if we're, we're looking at two days and maybe 16 hours of just you know, discretionary time. If you think you have a cold, if you think you're not feeling well, it's kind of nice to add that on and, and pad it. Once again, a benefit that you can think about for your team. Um, but particularly with COVID-19, sometimes it's it's just hard to get a test. <laughs> it's a little hard to get an appointment. And, you know, you might need to go to different locations or your child may be sick or something of that nature. So making sure that you're just keeping keeping yourself flexible, understanding that this is a very human experience. Um, I like to call it, in a way, the great equalizer, because this has affected all of us. I think that that could actually really help um, in the long term, in the perception that your employees have for you, and also just, you know, generate more business for yourself. People like yeah, hearing things like it. Great point, too. Uh, just another aspect of it, you know, don't risk bringing somebody with COVID into the workplace. If they tell you that they think they're sick, and you say come to work anyway, you may run the risk of making 10 more employees sick. And that is not going to help your bottom line. So if somebody tells you they think they have COVID, you know, take it, take it seriously, because the CDC is recommending that you remove those people from the workplace, not challenge them about whether it's COVID or the flu. You'd be better off letting them stay out than bring them in and risking more workers. That's actually one of the questions we have. Can an employer delay the start date of an applicant who has COVID-19 or symptoms associated with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I mean, it's honestly with the day that you choose to bring someone into your organization is completely up to you. Um, of course, you have to weigh the, you know, pros and cons of uh, delaying that, see whether or not the people who are currently covering that role can actually handle the responsibilities for longer. But of course, you can you can push a, a date back. Honestly, it's better to do that than to have someone who potentially is maybe not as focused, isn't feeling well, just physically, anyone who's had COVID-19 can tell you, you can't think. <laughs> it's very hard to think and function sometimes. So just be aware. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for responding to that. Um, turning to something slightly different. So how do you recommend dealing with high turnaround due to not having enough staff to support our current staff? That's Ashley. Um, <laughs> That's a big question. Um, that goes back to both of us talking about um, independent contractors and, you know, looking for those who want more flexibility in their schedules, more flexibility in their, their lives. It's a great resource. Um, it's not like 
you know, a couple of years ago when people would just hire an intern to do things that they didn't want to do. Um, actually having skilled workers, people who can, you know, stick to a time commitment or, you know, at least have an understanding of what it is that you need. You can absolutely pad out your workforce. It's a little harder when it requires somebody to be on hand, but that goes back to me saying, Former employees who left in good standing, um, even, you know, sometimes phone a friend where, where, you know, who can throw a hand in and see what they can do for you. But there are resources. You just have to be creative. Thanks so much, Ashley. Um, we have another question here. Suppose a manager learns that an employee has COVID-19 or has symptoms associated with the illness. The manager knows she must report it, but is worried about violating ADA confidentiality. What should she do? <laughs> I guess I'll take that one. I mean, um, if the if the employer suspects that the person has COVID, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the ADA yet uh, to the to the person asking the question. the The ADA is going to apply to long haulers. So, assuming that the person is is a person sort of on the floor who's suspected to have COVID, um, the the issue is going to be uh, how do you get them to come forward with that information so that now you know what to do next. Obviously, the end result is you should send them home. Um, and, and they shouldn't be working because they're, they're a risk to the workplace. Uh, in terms of whether or not you can ask them to disclose and to confirm your suspicion that they have COVID, this is kind of the people are talking about it in the office, but the person who has it doesn't want to admit it. Um, more than not, the law is going to side with your ability to ask that question based upon business necessity. So anything that would come up as far as the violations of, of any of the things, again, you're, you're not a, um, well, you are because of HIPAA, because you're the employer. But but if you have to ask that question, the business necessity is going to generally override the confidentiality. And you can ask them if they have, well, what you could, what the best way to do it is to require them to test. Um, you may have to find yourself requiring all the employees who are similarly situated to test, but you can require them to test. Some employers provide the test. Some employers make the employees go and get the test. Ashley pointed out it's, it can be very difficult on any given day versus any other day to get a test. It depends. There are runs on tests like there have been runs on toilet paper and other strange items uh, during COVID. There was a run on windshield washer fluid a few weeks ago. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, things run out and COVID tests uh, could run out. But there's different ways to do it. Probably the COVID testing uh, mandated for all employees, if you think there's a suspicion of one, is the safest way to do it. The next way to do it is to call them into the office, provide as much uh, confidentiality as possible and say there's a concern that you have COVID. Uh, can you confirm or deny that? Um, it's not a disability at that level. It's it's a business necessity. It's, it's a question that poses immediate danger to the workplace. I think you'd be protected if you had to ask that question, as long as you didn't embarrass them in front of other people. Um, and I think that's what you have to do. I think you have to you know, create a policy and let that be the policy. If someone is suspected of having COVID, uh, they may be required to test or disclose. And, and you know, as long as it's applied to everybody, it should be OK. A lot of people work in tight spots, uh, tight, tight spaces, and COVID could spread quickly. It's a highly transmittable disease. So business necessity will protect you if you have to ask that question. Just make sure you are uh, fair and equal to all at the workplace. Oh, did you want to add something, Ashley? Sorry. Really, really quickly. Also, sure. there are COVID tests that are available. So it's a really good idea to just stock up on those and keep them in your workplace. I suggest that to all of my clients. And you can even if you suspect this person has it, you can say, hey, you know, we actually have a test on hand if you would like to take it. If not, we totally understand. But just having that, you know, available, it, it could be helpful. 
Thanks so much for the input, Ashley. Um, and thanks so much for both of you for answering those questions. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. So thanks for everyone who submitted questions about today's topic. And special thanks to Jeffrey and Ashley for taking the time to answer them. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure to be here. The contents of this podcast are provided for informational purposes only. All topics and scenarios discussed are general in nature and do not constitute legal advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Personnel Concepts and the hosts of the Labor Law Report specifically disclaim any and all liability arising directly or indirectly from the reliance on or use of the contents of this podcast.